next we have best original track, which, to be clear, is a single track written for a specific game, not licensed, not any of that kind of stuff. No. Um, but it's a single specific track. Yeah. From a from a game. So we have Popstar. Weird that you say OST from a game. You're given what the first thing is. OST with a game's name on it. Mm. Popstars. League of Legends. Not in the game. <laughs> Um, Vagrant Song, brackets Deep South from yep. Where the Water Tastes The Deep South variant of that oh, song. They have variants yes, of those songs. Yes, depends on where you are in America. Right, okay. Uh, we Will Rise Again from Far Cry 5. A Settlement in the Red Bluffs. Is that right? Because there's like three versions of, depending on the translation of that OST. It's, uh, the, the thing that I keep seeing is A Settlement in the Red Bluffs. Okay. So. Uh, the Great Outdoor from Nino Kuni 2. Um, Ain't Nothing But a Funky Beat, Lethal, Lethal League Blaze. Yep. 4X Decisive Battle 2. Yeah. Because it's like, the, the X is because it's like, they're character themes, so they all have different things that they're doing things for. Right, okay. But it always leads into Decisive Battle 2. So right, got it, got it. Um, roll the old breaths... breaths Bereth, Bereth's wheel. Oh, Bereth's wheel. <laughs> yeah. From Pillars of Eternity. Yep, Pillars of Eternity. Rude Buster, Deltarune, the intro theme to The Quiet Man. That's, it's not even a, that's, that's not, not a even thing. a song. That's not yeah. even a song. Moving that way. Uh... The marketing director from the Red, Strub- Red Strings Club, What Lies Beneath from Yoku's Island Express, Teen Learning from the Red Strings Club, and Getting Started from the X-Punks soundtrack. Yeah. Let's have the pop stars conversation. It's not in the game. But. It's not in the game. It is a original track yes. for a video game. No, it was original track for an event. Written for a video game. An event for the video game. Uh-huh. Not the video game. It's. It was. There is no. Other it was way, performed in relation that, to League of Legends. That track does not exist if League of Legends does not exist. It also doesn't exist inside of League of Legends. <laughs> there is, if there is a way to play that track from inside League of Legends, it counts. There is a way to play a fraction of that track. That's fine. Like four seconds. There are a bunch of things in games that are four seconds long that you have to play in the video game. But that's not a song. Okay, I'm changing it then. It is Pop Stars from Beat Saber. Not produced for Beat Saber. It's not an original track when it's in Beat Saber. But if it's not an original track in, but um, it's an original track. It's just not made for a video game, and for Beat Saber they ported it. That's like taking a track from a movie and putting it in Beat Saber. Same thing. Okay, but if if there's, but if it's it's either in the game or it's not in the game. Like you can't. But it's not. It's it was made for a thing, but it's not in League of Legends. Come back to that. Okay. Um... <laughs> Vagrant song from uh, War Taste at Wine. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a really cool... Um, they, it's the same song with the same lyrics that they change the styling of based on where you are in America. Yeah. It's like an Appalachian version and stuff, but the Deep South variant is very um, very intimate. It's just like a acoustic guitar. Like single guitar and a, Sing, a... Single guy, single acoustic guitar as opposed to a band, which the other versions have. And like, yeah. There's like one version that has a really peppy female singer and stuff. This is very like dour, low note. Fair enough. Is that um, good? It's alright. Okay. Yeah. I, I can't mean to go back to it. It's, it's, it's an interesting way of telling a story through a video game, but the thing that stood out the most to me was the soundtrack. So, um, Can you talk about the next one? Because I want to confirm that this is an original song. I'm pretty sure it is, because it's on the soundtrack. I know, but yeah. like, remember, remember we went through this rigmarole with um, Bioshock Infinite, where a bunch of those tracks were not... They, uh, they were tracks, but they were like revamps of like old gospel. Oh songs sure, and stuff. yeah, maybe look that up. I'll skip that one. And I'll talk about the next one. Okay. Um. So, Salmon the Red Bluffs, um, is the town theme 
for I think it's called Rockcliffe, which is one of the starting towns, and it is like it's just, it's just a great kind of like folk song that yeah. has like the the fiddles and the accordions, and it's like it's the the starting town of like the or one of the starting towns of um, Beef, who is yeah. all about like being all like roguish and stealing stuff, and it just it suits the kind of environment that you find it in very well. Um, so that track might not be original. Okay, that's fine. It's we'll just not worry about it then. From oh no no okay <laughs> maybe don't. Do you want to just ignore it for safety? There's other stuff that we can do. No, sorry, I'm looking at this. Somebody else has adapted the Far Cry Five soundtrack. Oh, okay. Why it's confusing a lot of these. Sure. This is attributed to him, so okay. to the to the, sure. the the musician. So we will rise again is one of the songs in Far Cry Five that plays over the taken over cult radio, and it is like it's just strange gospel kind of song that is just played by this woman with a again a solo acoustic guitar. It's just really haunting, it's, and it, yeah, it's it, really nice. It suits the the themes and the messages of that game really well, where it's all talking about or the or the cult in that game really well. It's all talking about like the apocalypse and being better than like surviving and being better than the other people because they're following the correct path and all that stuff. Yeah, very good song. Um, very very cool. Yeah, Great Outdoor from Nino Kuni Two is just the overworld music. It just matches that game so perfectly. It's just all big orchestral sweeping music about being very whimsical and nice, and it's all airy because you're out in the environment. It's just a very nice overworld music. Yeah, but it's, it's very much like... It sounds very much like... It is overworld music for my JRPG. Yeah, like, yeah, like that is just what it is. I just like that. Okay, I'm comfortable including... The Far Cry song? Far Cry song, because okay. it seems like... It seems like it's original. Sure. The problem is that there are a bunch of songs called We Will Rise Again, a lot of which are have kind of religious overtones. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. So, yeah. But Googling those lyrics only give you the Far Cry 5 stuff. Okay. So. Cool. Uh, then it's Ain't Nothing Like a Funky Beak from Lethal League Blaze. That's the guy, the Jet Set guy. The Jet Set Radio composer uh, wrote his first song in like four years or something like that, specifically for Lethal League Blaze. And it is the best song on that soundtrack. Yep. And it's amazing. Good. And it's ex- exactly what that guy does and how it fits that game so perfectly. Yep. And yeah, it's just great. Yep. Agree. Um, 4X, The Size of Battle 2. The. Again, the soundtrack in Octopath is really good, uh, but that one specifically because it's it plays at the start of the Act 2 bosses and it's different for every character where it's their character theme at the start and then leads into the boss fight music, which is like really big, as you'd expect from boss fight music, like amped up, big heavy strings. It's, like, a, it's a transition that works really well, actually. It's yeah. not like a, a lot of them... A lot of soundtracks, like that, or, or game soundtracks specifically, that will go from one to the other. Like they have like a kind of very long lead in. Yeah, this one is like snaps yeah. straight. in. so into it jumps. It. There's like the the character theme, which will sit in loop for as long as that starting cutscene takes. Then, as you transition into combat, there's a different little bit of music that is specifically designed to handhold one theme to the other. The plays that then leads yep. amazingly directly into yep. the boss fight two it's music. It's just a great little bit of um, musical stitching that I thought was really great. Yep. Uh, Roll the old Bareth's wheel is just—I'm just staggered that they wrote their own sea shanties yep. and they all work. And it's all about in-universe stuff. It's not like 
mirror like, sea shanties adapted. They wrote like their own. Of the lore yeah, from the world. So like, roll the old Bereth's wheel is just about the Bereth's wheel is like the concept in Pillars of Eternity of like how they reincarnate in that right. world where your sure. soul goes back to the wheel and is yeah. then reincarnated. Um, so the sailors sing that as a working song of like it doesn't matter if we die because we'll go and live, and it works with the story of that game because the main thing that is going to happen in that game is Aethys who's one of the gods comes back and wants to destroy the wheel yep. and make sure that everybody just dies um, so that song has this kind of like weirder hidden meaning when you think about the story as a whole it's just a really good sea shanty and yep. I like, totally. a, I like a good sea shanty yep. sure. um, Ridbuster from Deltarune it's just Toby Fox doing his Toby Fox thing. It's a lot, and like, just a lot fucking happening. going for it. Like he throw, he does the usual. Like it, it's, it's like the. It, I was gonna say it's like the um, Undertale, uh, Undertale soundtrack, where it's just like he just it, when he wants to go for it, like it's something like Megalovania or something like that yeah. from Under, uh, the um, Undertale. He just goes all out with like multiple instruments, big, fast. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's awesome. Intense. It's so great. Um, and you just I had that on loop for a whole day once and you just get into a rhythm with it it's so great um, yeah then it's your stuff so there's so. the two Red Strings Club soundtracks tracks uh, Marketing Director and Machine Learning yeah probably Marketing Director if I had to pick one mm. it's it just fits that world so well and what's happening because that one specifically is I'm trying to remember it's either one of the bar scenes I don't or I think it's one of the the out a lot of that thing revolves around the bar yeah but like there's some scenes outside i think it's scenes potentially as well but it just fits so well into that world and what they're trying to go for and then you described it as like that chill like 24 7 yeah it's like the it's the it's the 24 hour like chill hip-hop or chill beats soundtrack that a hacker has on their second monitor while they're hacking is that sort of idea kind of but it's also got it's definitely got like but it goes through but it's also got that yeah that um kind of angelus blade runner yeah on top of it like weird well. big reverbs and yeah um what lies beneath the yoke island express this is the final boss music yeah and there's a weird like jazz is evil overtone to that game but like yeah because the like, final again we're spoiling yeah, yeah of course um but like once you get all the once you get all of the heads of all the parts of the island together yeah they're going to play a song to bring back the the central creature of the of the island yeah and they all have like very kind of tribal-esque instruments are there and then the main guy who's actually been the your buddy for the whole thing actually turns out to be the bad guy right he does fucking it's so funny like they're all playing they're like very kind of um their drums and drums and all i can say he just fucking bursts out with like a saxophone it's ridiculous like he just starts fucking (laughs) trilling on the saxophone it's ridiculous it is a great it does it does break in that song where it is like starts off all weird and tribal and then just goes into like a it, jazz yeah. free form it works moment really well. yeah uh, and then the last one on here is the um from x-punks yeah like, i could have picked any of them for the x-punks thing but that one specifically is like it's the thing that surprised me about that is like you're spending so long in each one of those individual levels yeah that uh you'd imagine that it gets Dull or repetitive, or dull, yeah. but um, yeah, it's actually fine. Yeah, it's actually, and a lot of that music's actually really good. Um, yeah, so we're gonna take a break here um yeah. go back, listen to a couple of these, make sure we know what we're talking about, and we'll be back. So we're back, and we need to pick our best original track. Yep. Yeah. 
What are your initial feelings? Uh, I like the song from Lethal League Blaze. Thought you might. Uh, I like that Exapunk song. Okay. I like the Where the Water Tastes Like Wine song. And I like the Settlement Red Blast from Off the Path Traveler. That's kind of, that's kind of what I got. <laughs> okay. Uh, I like pop stars. Doesn't count. Are we still maintaining this is not part of... It's not a League of Legends song. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Um, I like that War Taste of Wine track. Yep. I like the Far Cry 5 track, mainly because it was not expected from that game. Yeah, it was very surprising. Um, That's true. For a game that did not seem very good. <laughs> um, oh, I also like that Yoko Island song. That Yoko Island song is really good. Uh, Yoko Island one, good. I really like the Red Strings track as well. Yeah. Which one? Uh, the marketing director, right. I think, is the one I actually like. So if I was to pick a three, I would yep. probably say it's Lethal League. Yep. It's marketing director and it's for Taste of Wine. I think. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. All right. Yeah, that seems fine. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm annoyed that we can't talk about pop stars. It's a it's a great. K-pop song that they wrote for the League of Legends finals. It's uh-huh. great. It's not a song in a video game. Okay. <laughs> I would put it over the Red Strings track. Sure. I'd probably put it over the World of War Taste of Wine track. No. And I'd probably actually put it over the League no. track. No. <laughs> Definitely not. So I don't get any Red String stuff in here. This, this is your call. I'm not having it above the two things that I want. So... <laughs> You know what? It's eligible for the category, yeah. and I'm happy you get nominated. Okay, good. Uh, I think it's the marketing director, uh, Red Strings Club, yep. Wartis Wine, yep. and Lethal League. Yep. What wins? Uh, um, I mean, I, I know, know what wins. I know how much you like that Lethal League. Lethal League's going to win. <laughs> I I would have said "What Taste of Wine." Ah, oh, the Lethal League song. So it good. is, but, but it the, le- the it Lethal does... League song is the only one I think that works as a song. Like, I don't think it handles repeats very well. I listened to it for a whole day with no problems. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think it's a great song that works perfectly for what it is. But then again, so does Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Yeah, like that's very indicative of that track. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, I'd feel... I'd be okay with either of them. I don't really mind. I prefer the Lethal League one, but it's... I know you do. The Lethal League one's pretty good. Yeah. I will, I will give you that. I think, I'll do, I think I will give you that. It's yeah. a, I mean... Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean, it's it's a good one of those. Like, it doesn't really not. Well, if you if you're not hundred percent sure, prob- but the problem is like out of those top three, that's yeah. the one that one of us listened to for twenty four hours. Yeah. Real, I can't real, argue. Real, I can't argue with that. Real long time. <laughs> can't argue with that. So I will. I will do that. Mm. Okay with that. Um, cool. So that is uh. Nothing like a funky beat from League League Blaze. <laughs> League of Legends. League of Legends. Uh, with Vagrant Stock, Deep South Variant of Vagrant Song, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine, and Marketing Director from the Red Strings Club. Yeah. Their best original track. Yeah, it is. Let's get in there. Really good music. I like it. The next up is 
probably going to be a long one. Yeah, this um, is always the one that takes us a little bit Takes time. the longest. Um, this is the best moment. Um, self-explanatory. It's the best moment in a video game. Start off, we have... The you went also, oh, before we go, like, this is the spoiler one. Yeah, there's going to be spoilers. There's going to be spoilers here. Very about yeah. parts of, this, of these games. Yes. So. Uh, so we've got the hostile escape from a way out. When it all goes wrong from oxygen not included. Oh shit, your arm from the council. I think you talked about that I already, did. but yeah. I did. The hive attack from God of War. Kill the Taroth from Monster Hunter World. The first Balder fight from God of War. Drinking with Lenny from Red Dead Redemption 2. The Guardian speaks in Destiny 2, which... Uh, the Miami mascot mission story in Hitman 2. Fort Deadlight in Pillars of Eternity 2. Spider Cop from Spider-Man. Fighting high rank Anjanath from Monster Hunter World. Cooking with Palicos in Monster Hunter World. The post credit sequence from Spider-Man. Blades of Chaos from God of War. The Act 2 bosses from Octopath Traveler. Donkey goes on strike from Graveyard Keeper. The final hit from Headman 2. Returning from Guarma from Red Dead. The epilogue from Red Dead. Money collection missions after Chapter 5 from Red Death, the Death of Cole Drix- uh, The Death of Colm O'Driscoll from Red Dead. Our specific Mario Party from Super Mario Party. <laughs> the controller jingle from Super Mario Party. And the boiler room from The Adventures of Captain Spirit. Okay, so uh, Hostile Escape from The Way Out. Yeah, that was... That is the, the one of the few bits of A Way Out, I think, works as it, well as it, it should. It pulls together every part of what that game was trying to be. Yeah. So The Way Out was, for people who didn't see it, it's, it's the um, co-op adventure game, kind of uh, prison escape. Uh Adventure game. Adventure game. Yeah. Um, where it has to be played co-op and there's a permanent split screen so you can see both sides and people can characters. Yeah. Um, that one works for me because it's a constant, it's the, ca- it's the cut for me. It's the, the, the camera moves between like one character to another as it goes in and out and through yeah. the hospital. There's never any hard cut. The camera like pans out of a window and into another yeah. window or like down an shot. elevator. Yeah, single as, shot. As the- people are both controlling each character yeah, doing separate things yeah. trying to get out of a hospital and it, it kind of epitomizes what they wanted from that game which was like you're both sitting in the couch next to each other while yeah that's all happening going oh shit that's, yeah it, I, I just I, that was it was a really cool it there. was the best sequence in that game i think so it was really cool sure uh when it all goes wrong and yeah not included, it's just when things fuck up there's basically no other category i can put because you're not included yeah. in, in here so i put it in here as well it's kind of the reason why i really that game worked for me as well as did sorry the cars outside yeah. there apparently um the thing about that game is like rather than other base building games where shit falls apart six hours in yeah you always know how you fucked up and there's always a thing of like oh shit i removed the the waste pipe and now everyone is drowning in pee yeah and also i forgot to build that med bay that i meant to build so nobody can cure themselves yeah and also while they're there we've also ran out of fuel so oxygen happening like you there's didn't, just these you didn't stacked... put a roof on your poop shoot so all the methane's getting exactly, out and, exactly yeah. like there's just every time it goes wrong like you always know exactly what happened yeah and how you can, you can it see again. it happen exactly yeah. and it happens especially when you're learning that game it happens early yeah um so again this is early access so they may change that ramp yeah but like you fail early and you fail often to the point where you feel good and then every single run you try something different where the run i'm in right now I'm not gonna the, the way the the, the 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 world around me is set up. Like I'm not gonna get very far. I don't think yeah. because of what I have right now. So I'm gonna try and learn the ranching stuff and capture some creatures and figure that out. Okay. 
see how that goes. So yeah, it's just um, when shit goes wrong, it's always fun as yeah. opposed to just being like, I made a mistake and this entire game's a waste. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, oh shit! Your arm from the council. This is the best slash worst bit of voice acting in a video game of of this year. Yeah, there's a section in the first episode of the council. Where it's not the first episode because I played the first episode. It is the first episode. Is it? Why do I not remember this? I don't know. Okay. But there's a, it's the opening where you land on the jetty and there's a flashback to you and your mother. Oh, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got in it. A, in a hotel room. Yeah, they're like tied to a chair. And he's tied to a chair. Yeah. And your mum is missing an arm. Yeah. And in the, like, just straight up worst bit of voice acting, he just goes, Oh shit! Your arm, <laughs> and it's it, it. I had to put the controller down. I was laughing so hard. It was it was a really good opening to what that game was yeah. eventually going to be. It's in the video we put up on yeah. it, um, earlier on, which was like kind of janky, weird as hell, but like mm. interesting. Sorry, can I add a moment? Oh, fuck, okay. While I'm here, um, but yeah, it was yeah, it was a moment that was was pretty indicative of what the council was going to be. Yeah. Uh, so the hive attack in God of War. Yeah, which part is this? I'm assuming this. that I didn't. I didn't put this on. I thought you put this on. Oh, but I, I'm assuming the hive attack is the moment when uh, you go to get the Bifrost, uh-huh. and Kratos walks into the light and starts seeing the like visions of Freya, and like he goes, he memory goes on that long like spirit quest and like climbs up oh, the mountain yeah, and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh-huh. so he yeah, so you go to get you go to charge the Bifrost, which is supposed to be your thing to let you travel between realms. And he, Kratos walks with the Bifrost into the like elf energy light, yeah, yeah. and basically starts seeing visions of his dead wife, and, like talking to him, and like flashbacks sounds, to his past, and like yeah. conversation between the mum and the son, but the, he wasn't there, and goes through this whole emotional thing about him trying to get his wife again. Yes, and it fades from him, and it ends by Atreus pulling Kratos out of the light. With Kratos screaming like, "No, I want to oh, go back! I want to yeah, go yeah, back!" Yeah. Okay, yeah. And Kratos gets up, and the entire platform that they're on is like covered in corpses of yes, like dead. I think that the think bug that things worse. that I can't remember the dark elves. I think yeah, covered in corpses. And Kratos, uh, Atreus is basically standing there saying, "Where the hell were you? You've been oh, there for like days." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and think he's like, "No, I was only gone for a minute." But it turns out that time had gone way faster, and Atreus has been there on his own. Yeah. For days, yep. fighting against these dark elves. That's um, a cool moment. And it's, it's the moment. Sure it's the moment where, um, in that story, where Atreus starts like, turn not turning on Kratos, but he he becomes really shitty and like angsty teenager he, or whatever. He, 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 yeah. But he goes through a lot of the process of going like, no nah, fuck this. Like he finally snaps and is like, no nah, fuck this guy. He's never been here for me and left me to die on this hill that I had to defend myself yeah, exactly. on. There's this really cool like turning point moment in the yep. story that was. And do you want to do the other God of War moment while we're here? The first fight with Baldur? Yeah, so like, the first Baldur fight is probably the best kickoff to a game I've ever had. Yeah. Where you... The, fir- the first... This isn't like the first 10 minutes where he goes out... Kratos goes out to farm a tree to bur- uh, like burn his wife and is, uh, is met by at his house. Um, at that point, it's just called The Stranger. Stranger. Turns yeah. out later to be Baldur. Um who basically says like oh we know who you are and mm. why are you here you should be back with your people like yeah like threatens him a bunch and kratos basically says leave my land and it ends with balder who is like one of the one of the big norse myth characters whose thing is that he can't die and kratos who basically also can't die yeah fighting basically until 
they, they can't just, anymore. Just, just pummeling yeah, shit like, each other. Proper, like, heavy punches and, like, Balder, like, va- fires Kratos through the roof of his it house. It vaguely took a, like, a Dragon Ball Z-esque Yeah, it was, to... there was a lot of heavy turns where he's, like, firing through roofs and then Balder, like, German suplexes him and then punts him through a mountain. And it gets to the point where, like, you, you pummel Balder into a stone... And then Kratos cracks the stone with his bare hand and flattens him with it, yep. and starts walking away. But then Balder appears again, and it goes on. For and so it's literally, it's literally like those six episodes of Dragon Ball Z, where it's just more things just keep happening. Yeah, and it ends with you thinking you've killed Balder by throwing him off the side of a cliff. Yeah, um, but then Kratos tells Atreus that he shouldn't have been able to get there because um, his wife Lofrey had put like a protective yeah. barrier in. They broken by cutting the tree it was, down. It was a really daring thing for them to do, actually, because a lot of people knew, already knew that, like, God of War was not going to be the traditional God of War. Mm. But for them to open that game with some freeform combat, but mainly like, yeah, a, a, a scripted sequence like that, like yeah, basically big a, cinematic a God of War PTE sequence, kind of, yeah, like that was daring. It's like here's the new stuff, here's the old stuff. We're doing both. Don't worry, let's yeah. go for it. it. Was really cool. It was good, yeah, because it, it it went from that and then led into. The kind of like not the the slower paced kind yeah. of stuff because you got you got out of that into your first fight with the leviathan axe yes where everything is like a lot slower a lot more deliberate instead of the like blades of chaos like crazy whipping around yes like cinematic combat yeah, of god yeah. of war before what is a cool vitaroth so cool vitaroth is the um effectively like the raid of monster hunter world Okay. Where I talked about this on the podcast, where it's a it's a giant four legged monster that's encased in gold, right? And you go there because it's one of like the big monsters of the universe, and the idea is that you want to break its horns because it melts metal into its horns to form these like giant, like basically precious metal horns, okay. um, that are formed out of the weapons of people that it's killed effectively. Right. Yep. So you want to go and get these horns to get the weapons out, special super weapons. Yeah. Uh, and the raid is basically like a monster it's like any other monster hunter fight except it's broken up into like four distinct fights okay that are all different and everything because it's a raid it's technically a fight that can happen among it's kind of like spread out amongst like a cloud server sort of thing okay where there are everybody in the instance that is on this like raid you're only in with three other people but other people can go in with other groups. Right. And you get feedback from them about what they're doing, of like, they've broken off this bit of the monster, or they've found this track, the other or groups. whatever. Yeah, the other yeah. groups. So you're getting this constant feed of information about how other people are doing. In the meantime, you are trying to, like, find tracks and chip bits off the monster, which raises, like, specific levels that will help you later on in breaking stuff off. But, so it's all, it's all this kind of, like, you get... It's, it's, it's a really cool thing of, like, it motivates you by seeing the other people doing it. Right. It's like, okay. oh, that guy's broken off the horn, we can do this. Like, it's a sort of, like, small motivating factor. But the thing comes into it where, because it's a fight in four phases, every phase is really distinct, where sure. the first phase is, like, really slow, and it's more about gathering information and, like, trying to chip bits off the monster, but it's mainly about, like, gathering as much information as possible. Okay, so there's, like, a, there's a stage where you're trying to basically, like, case to join yeah almost. you're trying to like find out where the monster's going and like get as much information as you can the second phase is more like a traditional monster hunter fight where it is the monster doing like it's still very slow because it's encased in gold sure but it is like it says it's doing scheduled attacks it's rolling it's the stuff you're trying to like move around but yeah, you're trying yeah. to basically break the gold off of it it runs away and the third phase is in this big volcanic area 
mm-hmm. where the gold is like melting off the monster. Oh, weird. So you're then eventually trying to break the whole shell off of it by like making it stand over lava jets and like knocking boulders off the roof to break it off. Sure, sure. And then the best thing happens, which is the gold finally breaks and it breaks out into this four-legged monster. It still has the massive arms and the massive head, but the gold's all gone and it reveals this like really small, quick four-legged monster and it runs away like super fast like nothing you've ever really expected before and it runs into like its final nesting area and then it becomes like hyper monster hunter fight where the monster is really fast throwing fireballs at you moving like way quicker than you'd expect like it's it's just it's a fight that encapsulates everything about the monster hunter experience right and you're like constantly communicating like different weapons are better at different moments in the fight so everybody feels useful right. but at the same time you're not useless you're still doing stuff is this a, is this a new type of thing for monster hunter as far as i'm aware yes okay. i don't actually know because i've not played the other ones um but i'm told that it's kind of like a newer idea or at least the best iteration yeah of that. but it is like it's the most other than behemoth which is something I only just fought and can't beat it's the most singular encapsulation of what the monster hunter experience is yeah where every weapon's unique, everybody's working together, there's very specific tactics about how to beat the monster in different phases and sure. how they react, and yeah, it's just, it's a really, really solid fight. Like, it's nope. just a great fight. Um, Drinking with Lenny in Red Dead yeah. was probably my favourite moment of yeah. that game that I played. Um, it's such a fantastic use of all the different parts of good bits of Red Dead, where it's yeah. like the, kind of the camera work, where like, as you continue to get drunk... There's a seat, there's a section where like you nudge someone and they line up for a fight and Arthur goes for a swing to punch and just as it contacts, cuts to them all line dancing. Yeah, like that kind of it's stuff. A, it's yeah, it's great and like it gets when you get more and more drunk, it goes to like first person sections where you're looking for Lenny and like every character has Lenny's face. Yeah, and you're calling out to him, but the button prompt is like Lenny with like five e's the and four y's and the, the prompt wet, and stuff. yeah and eventually just gets the dot 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 and he just starts slurring his words yeah. and it's really hard to move across the bar and there's sections where like and then when the when you get the fight ends up outside it just yeah. jump cuts to like oh you're now just running away and you don't yeah. know how you got there it's, it's a it's a really clever again like we were saying with the best looking thing it's a really clever use of them doing their directorial best mm. like they're doing very deliberate cuts at very specific moments to get humor and to get drama totally. and to get all of these moments together but it's sure. a great kind of whole moment of especially very early on in the game when that a lot of that first chapter is about them be like, like lamenting about how shit the blackwater job was yeah, yeah, yeah and this was the first moment of them actually going oh no it's all okay we're yeah, fine we're let's still all... we're all in this together yeah and, well yeah, all yeah. lenny's sad let's go and get him drunk and yeah totally yeah not like dancing at a bar and yeah it was awesome fantastic really, sequence really yeah so the Guardian speaks in Destiny this, 2. This, this was way more impactful for you than for yeah, me. This only really works if you've played as much Destiny since Destiny 1 as I have. Sure. Where I've basically had the same character for like 160, 70 plus hours mm-hmm. of this game. And then there's a moment at the start of Forsaken after you come back from the mission where Cade's died and Cade's body's on the, the plinth and uh, Zavala says... I can't remember exactly how the conversation goes, but Zavala says something, and then there's just this new voice off camera yeah. that says, "Like we should do this." Yeah, and you're like, "Who?" And there's I, th- like, I think the, I think the first thing he says is something like, "He's mine." Yeah, yeah. talking about Aldrich, and it's like, Aldrich. "Who the fuck is this?" And they introduce a new character, and it cuts, and it's your character. Yeah, which 
having not spoken for so long. Yeah, for like two her, games. Her yeah. to have a voice is just so good. And but, it was this great, like, I out loud went, holy shit, when it happened. But like, when you look at it in total, right, it's a, it's a, it's a cool idea. Yeah. She has three lines throughout the expansion, yeah. and two of them are single words. And it works. Like, you don't need <laughs> anything else okay. for me. <laughs> sure. Like, that was enough of a moment for me. Uh, the Miami mascot mission? Yeah, so this is this is in the Miami map. Um, which this is, is the race one? Yeah, the racetrack. Yeah. And there's a so the, the 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 new thing they've done in in Hitman Two is splitting the mission stories off from the the challenges. Yeah. The mission stories are now like here's six things that we will guide you through step by step to explore this part of the map or to know where these items are sure. or to find these characters or whatever it is. And one of them is in the racetrack. Your one of your targets is the so it's the the father the father and daughter. The father owns the the um, weapons company. The daughter the race tra- is the racer. Is the racer? She yeah. races and she's in the race. Yeah. And you're walking through the the uh, the parking garage, and there's a dude in the flamingo costume on the phone. Yeah. Saying, "This is just like a mascot for the event." This it's, is the mascot. He's like yeah. a flamingo that's a sponsor or whatever. It is. Sure. He's on the he's on the he's on the phone to somebody who says like, "I have to go meet her, but I can't go looking as myself, so I stole this mascot costume off of someone." So that I'm disguised, so I can right. go go meet the drop. And he talks about like, oh, like she's got he's got documents that will blackmail her to get money or whatever it is. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Somebody else has gone in and stolen costumes as well. That like, there's not yeah. me done the hitman thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you look down the corridor entirely to his left because when you turn up, like he's on the phone, he's kind of looking around the corner. Yeah. You look down that corner, and there's a dude on the floor with somebody going, "Are you all right?" It says some idiot took my mascot costume. Like, is this whole like circular bit of like, here's some core hitman stuff. Yeah. And then if you're a human being, you then hit that guy with a, f- a fire extinguisher and steal the mascot costume again, yeah. and then walk by the guy who originally had the mascot costume. Does he react in any way? No, but that? he does have the dot, which means like if he sees you, he'll recognize you. So it's a really nice section yeah. of, of scripted sequence in there. The d- dumb turning of the mirror back on Hitman. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, 47. What is Fort Deadlight? Okay, so Fort Deadlight is a bit in Pillars of Eternity 2 that kind of like Cool of Taroth, where it kind of shows off what that game the highlight of that game yep. it's like what that genre is for and why that game does it so well so Fort Deadlight um it starts it's kind of early on in the game where very very early on your ship gets ransacked by a pirate called Benwith sure. and you learn where Benwith is uh he is in the the pirate fort called Fort Deadlight mm-hmm. and you have to go to Fort Deadlight to get Benwith because you need to I can't remember the reason but you need to go find him so you're told he's in Fort Deadlight and that's kind of it. So you ta- first thing is getting into Fort Deadlight because it's a pirate fort. So if you come anywhere near it, they shoot you out of the water. Okay. So you have a few choices. Of- just say, like this is a game where you ha- you have a boat. Like, yes, you so you're, you're, boat it's, it's it's a CRPG, but you have like a pirate ship that yeah. you can do. So you can sail to this, but you get blown out of the water. So what you can do is attack it head on, and just try and sail through the gunfire. Yeah. Wait until nightfall, and slip in under cover darkness or you can go pirate hunting and take one of the pirate ships and steal their flag and raise it like it's your flag right and slip in because they think it's a pirate so you just dock at fort deadline are these options like do you just go do them or is it like a menu of like here's so the you one? get the, the two the two menu options you get are go to fort deadline i.e sail through the gunfire yeah, yeah. or wait until night 
Okay. The third option you don't know unless you go and talk to the pirate captain who exists in a different place on the map. Okay. So three options of getting in. You then get into Fort Deadlight and you have to find Benwith. There are then three different ways of finding Benwith. Okay. Which is fight your way through Fort Deadlight if you want to. Just go and kill all the pirates and make your way to Benwith because you learn through a gambler in the docks that Benwith currently exists in like the highest tower. You can go fight through Fort Deadlight. You can sneak in through the side but that involves a whole other set of side quests where you have to convince a guard to look the other way as you walk past them right because every single time you go and try and do it he finds you yep so it involves a whole series of quests that you don't have to do or there's the best quest which is the quest i did which is you go to the main sort of mess hall area of the pirate and you talk to people and you learn that uh benwith is a really good harpsichord player okay and he is a big fan of entertaining for people when there is a party going on okay and he's and so you you're like so you go and talk to a bunch of these pirates and one of them says yeah we can get a party going but we need rum okay okay you like i have rum and it's like no no no, we need this special rum okay the special rum is like down in the cellar you have to go and get for us to start this party yeah meanwhile you can go and look at the harpsichord and you get an option to plant a bomb in the harpsichord. What? Yeah. Okay. Because you're a pirate Is and you have explosives. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Where you learn that you can play the harpsichord. So if you go and inspect the harpsichord, you're like, your character says like, there's a big enough spot in the harpsichord where you could plant an explosive device. So you go, okay, plant an explosive device. Go into the cellar involving, again, either having to sneak around some guards, do combat or like convince yeah. them or something. Get the rum. Go back to the pirate and say, I've got your special rum. It's like, okay, sure, let's start the party. So you start this party. People are drinking, getting raucous. Benwith isn't showing up. So you go back to the pirate and it's like, okay, we need an even bigger party. So we need to get the cook's special stew that Excuse me? that everybody likes. And then they'll turn up more, drink more, and we'll get a bigger party. Okay. So you have to go convince the cook to get me more stew. You then you have to go to the cook and do another side quest that involves <laughs> you getting the stew. Okay. Get the stew, go back to the pirate, you say, got your stew, you hand out the stew, more pirates turn up, all start drinking, get raucous. Benwith turns up because he hears the raucous, and he's like, oh, I suppose you'll all want me to play for you yeah. now, and everyone goes, yeah, sure. Benwith takes to the stage and, like, gives his monologue or whatever, sits down at the harpsichord and goes, bing, <laughs> the entire thing explodes. <laughs> uh, like, one note explosion. Uh, and everybody's kind of stunned for a while and it's a great scene because the thing explodes and there's silence for a while and all the pirates go yeah great <laughs> Benwith's dead you've exploded this at harpsichord so you walk over to Benwith and get the thing you need off his corpse and just walk away it's just there's an entire there's a, so much of the mission that you can miss yeah, just yeah. by not j- just by going one way and not another so you can miss that entire harpsichord thing if you yeah. sneak in or just is go that, for is combat that, is that hidden behind like skills like if you don't have explosive skills or whatever no can you not placing the explosive is literally if, if you have an explosive you literally just go right and put right. it in the harpsichord fair enough like finding the pirate that lets you start the party isn't a skill check like it's it's literally just if you look around you find all these different things it's the great thing about crpgs of like there are so many options it just depends on like what you want to do or how you've built your character sure. as to what you can do that's cool and there's great little encapsulation okay. of that um, I put Spider Cop on this, I think, yeah. and then it got old. Like it continued. I just I liked it at the beginning, but yeah, it, it was... got kind of it got kind of a bit much. Um, 
Is Anjanath another one of those? No. So this was a this is a very particular moment for me where so when you go through the game, you get to a point where you hit high rank, which is like basically like your new game plus essentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you go through the maps and fight different monsters in the different maps. Anjanath is like big red T-Rex yeah, yeah. that breathes fire yep. and jumps really high. Um, and he's kind of a, he's a pain in the arse when you're low rank. And he's even more of a pain in the arse in high rank because he's got new moves yeah. and stuff. But high rank Anjanath was the first time where I got Monster Hunter. Okay. Like I understood what people do in monster hunter and why people think it's interesting because i understood like reading that monster's attack patterns and what my specific weapon does that can stop it right okay or move around it or do whatever it is that you need to do to get it all just kind of came together so all it all came together in this fight with this high rack anjanath where i didn't get hit i took it down pretty quickly and it was all just based on previous knowledge of stuff i'd learned as playing monster hunter right which I thought was great. It was, this, it was just this really like flash in the pan moment of like, Eureka! I finally understand what this jo- this game is all about. Sure. Uh, what we got? Oh yeah, palico cooking. Yeah. This is every time you go in for a hunt, you eat food because it gives you buffs, and it is is headed up by a character called the Meowster Chef. Yep. Who is a big fat white cat in a chef outfit with a cut on his eye. And his like merry band of other smaller cats, and you give your order to him, and then there's like a ten second cutscene of them really high res that food cooking your really food nice. of like spring like sprinkling garnishes on the meat and like sizzling it and flipping and cutting it up into bits. And it, my favorite bit of it is always the very end when the plate gets presented in front of the meowster chef, yeah. and he like gets like a tiny sprig of like thyme or something, and is like very delicately. <laughs> puts the time on top of the chicken and then gives it to your hunter as <laughs> okay. it's awesome it's just such a you see it every and it never gets old does you it, do it every hunt and it never gets it, tired does it change up depending on what you order yeah it does, does it? so okay. you can get like fish or chicken or meat or whatever um yeah. there's like a whole one where like they make like a stew and there's like people chucking stuff into the pot and there's this cat just constantly stirring the stew okay great um, the final hit and hitman 2 yeah this is that entire final stage where uh it's just the most ambitious thing they've ever done and it they pull it off as well so the whole story is basically worked up to the fact that there's this whole secret society that's basically killing a lot and uh, controlling large parts of the world illuminati style but their whole thing is that they are they they recruit people like um high earning people because they're the people that are going to survive the end of the world Right. Okay. So, do they know the end of the world's coming, or is no? It... They just know that when it does happen, at some point, right? Okay. They're going to be ready because they're all donating money and they're all pulling together, and sure. they're going to be the ones that survive. Okay. So Which... they're, they're a cult, basically. Yeah. So, okay. you know, but and then there's the person in charge of it. There's five people in charge of this whole group, and they all telepresence their way to the meetings, except for one guy called the controller, who's the kind of head dude. Right. But they set up very early on in the mission that, or in the lead up to that mission, that he has like a remote-controlled explosive in his brain, <laughs> and, okay. you, and you need you need him alive sure. for story reasons. Um, but the remote in his head is controlled by the current two chairmen of the group, who are currently these two, um, two like spoiled, uh, 
spoiled kind of like 20 something right socialites sure who also go treasure hunting mm. and like don't give a fuck about like the local people they'll just murder people to get the shiny thing right so that's the whole setup. that's all you know really going in is you need to take out these two people the controller can't die yeah and you need to get him off the island yeah and they the other two have the remote control for the dude's brain, the brain explosive. right that's all you know going in and you know that the group, the Ark Society is what they're called, and they, they're coming together and have this party on this island that they do every year, their yearly gathering. Right. So Hit 47 turns up, like, tuxedo, mask, like, eyes wide shut shit. Oh, right. Like, the uh, full white mask. Yeah. Yeah. Turns up on this like, kind of rocky island, like, walks up, is led by some dude in, like, villages ass-looking robes. Yeah. And they just, they get, to the, they get to the doors of this big castle and the thing, and they open the two doors, and you walk in, and there's this full, like, bar there and behind it is like the giant arc society logo and there's smoke and there's three musicians playing with blindfolds on oh wow and uh, there's like stuff going on all the site you're like what the fuck yeah. is like you knew this was what the purpose of the group was but they're taking it super seriously oh, yeah. and like real cultish and then not only that but like as you explore this place it just gets fucking weirder where like i randomly was trying to like i get seen doing something and literally escaped into a room i was like just to break line of sight and i turned around and i'm in like some dude's living room like it's just a modern looking yeah. living room like the fuck is going on yeah. and a woman walked over to me and went ah because i'm in the suit like as if i'm supposed to be one of the society right and she turned around and goes ah i see you're here to see the gold suite and she turned around and she looked it's a bunker that they've built for people who are going to survive the apocalypse. Oh. And they have, like, silver, gold, and platinum levels. And you're in the gold bunker, which has, like, screens on the side of it to manipulate, like, what it looks like outside. Oh, wow. And, like, here's the toilet that's bulletproof glass so you can see in. But and they, they, they storify why it's glass so you can't just take in someone and grot them. Like, it's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Jeez. So then you get all of that. And then one of the side stories that you can do to get close to... The two, the two yeah. chairmen are you basically join the society oh do you okay. do a you do like one of the challenges of there to get one of become one of the new members yeah and you do the challenge and then they go through the whole initiation ceremony where you put on the robes oh, wow. and you do a thing and then you end up in a different part of the castle where all the real members are yeah. and there's like a museum there with a bunch of stolen shit and there's a dude who's very clearly supposed to be Nathan Drake, but is a shitbag. Oh, wow. Who okay. who's also doesn't like these people. Yeah. And everyone in there sucks. They're all talking about how their stocks have crashed and how they're going to have to, they're forcing their workers to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. It just, it just goes play. Like, yeah. every mission story in that thing has its own, like, bizarre moment. There's a whole section where you can optionally do where the, the all the business leaders are there and like kind of like they do in the the council where like they control like all the big decisions that happen in the economy of the world or the the secret shadow organization yeah exactly yeah. and one of them is they're all there but all the people that are there that are not the chairwomen have these like full on gold masks so everyone's Jeez. anonymous and they're they're there to have a meeting about like fossil fuels are going away we all need to agree on how we're going to solve this problem right and by solve this problem we mean subdue sustainable energy research to continue to burn oil 
and the guy you take out to pretend to be is an oil baron mm. and you have the deciding vote on this thing and you can say no fuck your vote and then you go upstairs and you throw into a, uh, you throw the woman into Iron Maiden and you slam the door shut and that's how you oh, kill her God. and then you escape by putting on knight's armor and just charging down the hallway with a broadsword it's ridiculous that entire last it sounds it sounds full on hitman but yeah. it was like three hours in total like to Jesus going through that thing. Oh, yeah. it's amazing it's the best that Hitman has ever Yeah, been. that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, post credit scene in Spider-Man, what did you think was... I just really liked it. I don't know, I just thought it was nice. Like, it was Pete after all the shit had happened, and he was back together with Mary Jane, and yeah. then he helps Miles move into his house, and then Miles does the, like, hey, I've got something to show you thing, and he's upside down on the roof. Yeah. Because even at that point, Miles doesn't know. No. Right. At that, at that point, Peter doesn't know that Miles is also a Spider-Man. And Peter's like, oh yeah, I totally understand. And I jumps on the too. roof. Yeah, that was an, that was an it nice was, It was a thing that I knew was coming because it's Miles Morales. Of course, he's going to be Spider-Man. But yep. it was ni- it was just this kind of like nice conclusion to the story. I just yeah, liked. totally. Um, yeah, Blades of Chaos moment in God of War. Yeah, that was unexpected. That was a hell of a thing. Yeah, like, so you basically take the... Go back... Like what? What's the setup for that? For you go back home? You need to be able. I think it's you need to be able to like burn something. I can't remember what it is. It's something in. Uh, I want to say Helheim. Yeah. Where you need? I think you need to burn bushes or something. Yeah. So you need something that has fire. Yeah. But like. Uh, yeah, and Kratos has this fire. knowing thing of like, I need to go home. Yeah. And you go back to the house you started in, and there's like a secret panel, and you just pull out the blades from all the other it's the, games. It's yeah. It's in the under the rug and in the basement which like for the entire game or for the start of the game he was like chastising atreus for saying like yeah, don't, go, don't in the basement, go in the basement yeah because he went in the basement and finds the blades of chaos yeah. from the there's, original god of war there's games. also the great moment where he unbandages his arms yeah. and it's got all the scars so it's, yeah the it was this, it was something that i i noticed at the very start where the first shot of that game is the bandage dripping from his arm and him rebandaging it, it yeah. as it's like he's given up that life like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. So he finds the blades and he unties his things and starts tying the blades back around the chains and Athena shows up at the door, yeah. is talking to him about how like you can't escape your past, you're a monster and all that stuff and he, it it's almost like, it's really reluctant, like he oh, yeah. accepts he that he just to has to do this, this, walks through Athena and then a bunch of like really low level shitty enemies show up. And the game just lets you go fucking wild yeah, with these. It really like, lets you remember how really, that works. Yeah, exactly. It reminds you so much of the original God of War games because, like, the combos are exactly the same. Where it's like the two big yep. whips and then the straight down. Yep. You could do like the really fat. It was an amazing like because the entire lead up to you going home is like he sits alone on that boat. Yeah, for a with while. With this like really mournful face while Mimir's talking to him and. It's amazing, like, it, it build. works. It works in... It's one of those rare moments as well that works, like, for... Uh, it works in gameplay. It works as part of the narrative. Yeah. It works the whole way through. It was a, a brilliant, brilliant sequence. It really yeah. was. And unexpected, like, I managed to have that not yeah, spoiled I, either. Yeah, I didn't expect it. I, I, I thought that they might do something with it, especially when they were, like, bringing attention to his wrappings yeah. on his I arm. Didn't even, I didn't even clock that yeah. until I saw him taking them off. I'm like, oh, right. But I thought they were going to do something, but I didn't expect them to just go, no, he just goes and gets them back. Like, yeah. that's... Yeah. Sure. So, the boiler room from Captain Spirit. Yeah, so Captain Spirit is the, the, the not prequel, but like the... the Interquel. The, yeah, the kind of intermission thing yeah. between uh, Life is Strange 1 and 2 to kind of set up some stuff, maybe, for the second one. Yeah. Um, this kind of standalone free thing that they put out after E3. So, the, the 
so the whole thing is that you are so you play um i cannot remember the main character's name again i wish i could yeah but you're you play as the, the kid who's living with his dad the mom's not in the picture anymore they don't really why um dad drinks a lot um has has pretty serious drinking problem there's yeah. allusions to like act the kid at some point there's a whole bunch of setup that goes in um and initially it's christmas time as well and there's a section where they sit down for breakfast and thing and the character says like hey are we gonna go get christmas tree today yeah and dad says yes we'll go get christmas tree we'll go do that i'm gonna watch the basketball game and then we'll go do that grabs a large bottle of whiskey starts watching the basketball game shouts at the right and it seems like this is a thing that happens a lot sure so what chris 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 what chris does is like he likes superheroes and obviously he's used to making his own fun and the entire game is you kind of going through like here's what i wanted to do on saturday and it's all these like superhero things one of the things is like um the what you, you try and go to the dish you try and clean wash the dishes and the hot water's off so you need to go boiler obviously fails a lot so you need to go into the go into the, the garage the boiler and fix or switch the boiler on uh, or reset it there's a great moment where it does quite a lot where you go into the room where the boiler obviously is and it's dark door shuts behind them and chris kind of goes into his own head yeah and the boiler is this creature like in the middle of this big um kind of cloudy room and it's got like the, it's got like it's like a smoke monster almost it's mm. this face and like chris is like being all superhero and going towards it, but being really scared of it at the same time, kind of stomping his head. And there's a great moment where, like, as he does it and he does the final, like, final punch on the smoke monster, and it cuts back and he just flicks the switch on the boil. Like, it's this really nice, this really yeah. cool moment. There's a scene later that does something very similar where it's like you have to, you have to go somewhere specific, cross a big patch of snow, I think it is, and it cuts to like him being on like this alien Mars-looking planet and. Like, finding his way and all this like yeah. it does that whole thing of like no chris is very much in his own head because he's not getting it from anywhere else yeah and it's really reflective of that it's a really really cool moment Ooh. there's a bunch of that thing is really good for a free thing like yeah. people should grab that thing uh donkey goes on strike yeah so this was just this was, there's a lot of like really cool little stories in graveyard keeper like all the individual characters you meet have their own story like the, the the moment that I don't know why it stuck out to me the most, but it, it stuck out to me where so every day the this donkey with a cart comes and delivers your corpses to you that you're supposed to deal with yeah. as graveyard keeper. One day, donkey comes, delivers his body, and then doesn't leave like he normally does. He okay. sits at your the foot of your morgue. You go and talk to him, and he starts spouting like communist propaganda. He'd always kind of talked he, about yeah, this. He, when you meet room. him at first, he talks about how, like, you're the new landowner and thus you're, like, the bourgeoisie. Yeah, yeah. And, like, how he doesn't like you and stuff. But then starts, like, spouting all this communist propaganda about how, like, you're now a landowner and also a factory runner, therefore you should care about the rights of your workers. Right, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it goes on for a really long time and then says, I now have a list of demands. <laughs> you go, all right, what are your demands, donkey? Number one, I demand 10 carrots like <laughs> that's it he's like okay sure so you have to go about like either like farming 10 carrots oh, so or, this like, becomes finding... a quest yeah at this point. So you have okay. to like farm 10 carrots or find 10 carrots somewhere and he goes okay sure 10 carrots put them in the box and he says good you have satisfied my first demand number two i demand 10 more carrots <laughs> every other week you're like uh, <laughs> okay. all right sure i can agree to that donkey that's fine 
Good. Demand number three. I demand Sundays off. You're like, I, yeah, okay, sure, that's fine. It goes through these demands and they're all like really inane, like little demands yeah, yeah. that really don't matter. But you give them all to him and he eventually is just like, I have succeeded against the, my bourgeoisie oppressor in getting my, the rights of the workers and all that sort of stuff. And then just walks off. Nice. I was like, it's just this great, like, there's no reason for it to be there, but there's just this really, like, charming bits of dialogue (laughs) that are in throughout that game. It's a donkey, which is such a great character that I just had to give him his own. That sounds pretty good. I like that. Um, There's a bunch of Red Dead on here. How do we want to do this? I'm just going to explicitly talk about it. It's going to be fast, but I'm going to talk about it. So, Returning from Guarma is really quick, because Returning from Guarma is the riding to Mexico moment of Red Dead 2. Oh, is there one? Where it is the... So you get, basically what happens is you fuck up a bank job, end up on a boat to Cuba, a storm happens, and you end up on Guarma, which is like a island near Cuba somewhere. Um, and that's the Mexico moment. Oh, of, okay. That's the chapter five I was talking about where it really doesn't matter. It la- the best thing they did was make it way shorter, where it's okay. like two hours, and again, you help the natives revolt against plantation oppressors and stuff. It really doesn't okay. matter. Okay. But, um, in terms of the larger story, it doesn't matter. It's like there's little things, but nothing too okay. important. Um, you get back from Glarma, and you have to ride from the place where you dock your boat to your camp to like meet up with the rest of your party. And it is this... It's exactly the same as the riding to Mexico moment, where it is this like, fairly long horse sequence, but they play this really like mournful gospel song called Unshaken... It's just it's 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 mainly about like the music and the music that happens in that moment. Sure. Again, like the raid to Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just it's a moment that just sticks out from okay. that game. Um, really powerful is it, moment. Is it made any worse from the fact that they just did Mexico again? Yeah, well, it's made better from the fact that you know you're out of it, <laughs> so you don't have to think about Gorma right, okay. anymore. Fair enough. Because Gorma's a real low point, but okay. yeah. Um, they did it exactly Mexico again. They did exactly Mexico okay. again, where the bit where you go away from the main story for a few hours is kind of bad, okay. because they've done that again. Fair enough. Um, do to do the epilogue at the end? Yeah, sure. So, okay. money collection after chapter five. So, chapter five is when you come back from Gorma. Right. Uh... After you go through a bunch of stuff... At this point in the story, Arthur is now started to realize that dutch is basically crazy right and all this stuff about everybody has to band together and stuff it's basically a lie he's an insane person that just cares about money and power and circumstance and like that's all he cares about doesn't actually care about anybody else and how micah is now back in the group and is basically like talking in dutch's ear so the group oh so the group is now basically being manipulated by micah right through dutch so it's all it's micah's gang at this point but dutch is the face basically yeah so you get back from chapter five and you're going about doing your jobs and there's a point at which uh arthur falls off of his horse and can't breathe yeah uh, and is like writhing around that doesn't understand what's going on cuts to you in first person with your vision all blurred someone dragging you away from yeah. the street says we need to take you to a doctor so you go to a doctor explain everything that's been happening we're saying like yeah i'm coughing a lot i don't know what's happening doctor tells you you've got tuberculosis Oh, um, that you got from chapter one, which I don't know if you got this far or not. But... I got to th- chapter three. Okay, you're fine oh. then. So you remember the money collecting missions for Strauss, where you have to go and like get money from people on the map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that guy on the farm? That... The pig farm. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. The guy, the guy. I, I can't remember if it's a pig farm or not. But you have to go and get money from him, and he says like, "Stay away from me. I'm sick." Oh right. Yeah. yeah and yeah, you yeah. go and beat him up, and he coughs at you. 
Oh, shit. That's how you got tuberculosis. Huh. So Arthur gets tuberculosis again from being yeah, yeah. a bad guy and gets tuberculosis. Uh, so then from chapter five onwards, after he gets tuberculosis, Arthur kind of accepts he's going to die. Right. Can't cure tuberculosis in Not that, that point. time, no. Um, so he accepts he's going to die, so makes a real effort to change. Okay. Not change, but like try his best right to the wrongs. right the wrongs in his life. Yeah. And, like, the story goes in a direction of him basically saying to people, you need to leave, like, get out of Dutch's gang. Right. Like, helps John get away, helps Sadie get away, like, helps right, all these okay. people get out. Um, but the money collection missions after that, there are a bunch more you can do. Uh-huh. If you go do them, you get into situations where it either ends with or halfway through there is some sort of, like, moral choice mm. of you can either go through with the money collection or you can, like, just say that the debt's absolved or you can say the debt's absolved and give them money and like it basically is it's it's the it's the showing of how arthur has changed right and how he's in accepting death he is trying to right the wrongs in his life it really like shows how he's grown over the course of the game and it ends with you going back to camp and picking strauss up by the neck and throwing him out and being like you're a leech you need to get out and just throwing him, like saying there's your bag pick it up get out Huh. And Strauss is like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, leave out. Huh. Like, doesn't stop and basically kicks Strauss out. Again, huh. that's a thing that you wouldn't do unless you did those side missions. But is this really cool moment of Arthur's kind of redemption? Yeah. Of yeah. like, he starts realizing what's important in life. Sure. And yeah. Huh. Okay. Um. Because you have you have to do those those money collections. The first one, the yeah. First you one. can't not do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. Because okay. you need Arthur to have tuberculosis. Otherwise, the end of that game sure it doesn't, doesn't work. really work yeah um the death of colm o'driscoll was a really interesting so moment colm's the the like the, the rival the, gang the rival leader. gang at yeah, the start the, yeah like dutch dutch says that he hates because he like stole his first love there was all. some yeah that's that all turns out to be a lie right. he just hates him because he's a rival gang and all right. that stuff um but the death of colm o'driscoll is basically like it's one of the main moments that arthur sees dutch for who he really is right because there's no reason for dutch to go deal with colm colm is you basically get news that colm is being hung oh right and like the the he's been caught in sentence he's been caught and he's been sentenced he's gonna get hung and arthur learns this and goes to dutch and says hey we're being hung we're good we're good sadie says i want to see this because they murdered my family oh like, right yeah, yeah of i course. want i yep. want to go see him hang dutch then says no, he's not. He's not gonna hang. We need to go make sure it happens. Okay. And Arthur's like, he's been caught. He's gonna hang. He's like, no, no, no. It's fine. We'll take care of it. Um. And you get there, and you you find out that Colm does have a plan. Okay. That, to like not get hung. Yeah, yeah. But leads to you killing a bunch of cops to get their uniforms and like doing a whole bunch of really bad shit. Under Dutch, just going, we need to get this done. Do right. it. Tell the police. Do all this stuff get set up in a situation where you take out all the O'Driscoll people that he's got around to kind of obviously like cut them free or something. Yeah. <clears throat> Scene goes with guy reading Colm as last rites. Colm is there and looks out at the crowd and sees the two people in the crowd that he's supposed to have. One of whom has a gun to his head because of Dutch. Sadie has a knife to the other one's throat. Looks up at the roof at the sniper who's supposed to be there to save him. Yeah. And it's Arthur right. just being like Yeah, yeah. And it it was an amazing moment of animation where you see his face just rip right, yeah. and like lose complete life. Like he realizes it's, it's happening, over. like it's yeah. over. And 
it happens and he gets hung and Sadie basically goes nuts and says, nah, you all deserve to die and slits the guy's wow, throat. okay. And Dutch just goes like, yeah, you're right and shoots the other guy in the head Jeez. and Arthur's like, you shouldn't have done this. No, this and, is all bad. Like, runs down, they're like killing everybody and yeah. he's just like, we need to leave now, get out. There's this moment, this weird moment of like, Dutch just finally goes, this all the Rascals just get them dead. And right. it's, yeah, it was weird. a weird, strange moment. Okay. Uh, and right, the epilogue, this is a kind of a different this was a different tone where... So the end of that game... Should I have to spoil this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the end of the game uh, depends on what you've done because it depends on, like, your honour and, like, a decision that you oh, make. Oh, that does actually yeah, balance it? Okay. So the, the ending that I got, which I think is the best ending, uh, you help John escape from uh, the group um, and you are chased down by the rest of the group which now is basically dutch micah and a bunch of micah's friends right as he's basically taken over right and dutch is like a puppet at this point chase you help john get away up the mountains and you basically have a confrontation with micah where it's like a fist fight and it ends with if you have i've been told if you have high honor and you do this ending this is how it happens where you have a fist fight with micah dutch turns up uh, and stops you from getting the gun that would kill Micah. Micah talks him down and they walk away. Right. And you basically just die on the cliff face succumbing to your tuberculosis. Oh, wow. Reflecting on everything that you've done. Wow. Like, there's a whole bunch of scenes of, like, you, like, remembering all the stuff that's happened and there are voices in your head. And and that Unshaken song is playing again. Oh, which yeah. Which is kind of why I like it as well. Arthur dies to his tuberculosis. Yep. Before leaving John, he basically donates his hat and his satchel to John. Oh, okay. And says, go start another life. Okay. Like, go, we're done here. Dies. Epilogue, you take control of John again. Oh, interesting. And John is trying to make his way honest in the, in the world. So he's got him and Abigail and Jack. He rides into strawberry and tries to find a job where he is basically like delivering stuff on a wagon yeah, yeah. go through it whole again much like the rest of the game the epilogue is a bit too long uh but it's a basically a, a shot of like ja- um, john learning how to be a rancher um, okay. a lot of the time on the ranch bad things happen and he ends up having to kill people and that gets him into turmoil with abigail who's like you can't escape your life sure, because you just yeah, keep killing yeah. people ends up with Abigail leaving John. John gets a bank loan to buy his ranch, which you see in the first game at the right. end of the first game. Features Hope. You meet up with Uncle. You meet up oh, with yeah. Charles, who are both still alive. They come to the ranch with you, and there's a really great scene where you like build the ranch house. Oh right! And it's like it's it's it's, it's like out of a movie where it's like everybody kind of working together while it's really like saccharine western song about nailing wood and stuff yeah, plays. Yeah, yeah, yeah build a ranch house you go and send a letter to abigail abigail comes back everybody's kind of having this nice idyllic ranch life another amazing scene where you and abigail go into the now civilized world and like you go and get your photo portrait taken oh really go to the cinema you have like it's like it's all talking about like oh the wonders of modern convenience and technology and you ask abigail to marry you on the river and that happens and it ends with you uh, you end up going with Sadie, who's now a bounty hunter, right? To get a Mexican like outlaw, who ends up getting taken back by his gang, and you basically end up having to kill a bunch of people, which is sure. terrible. Um, 
that then leads you to Sadie coming to your farm and saying, I found Micah. Oh. Um, what, like, we have to go deal with this or whatever because it's Micah. And yep. John says, fine, let's go. Go up to the mountains where Micah's hiding and it is this amazing, like, 20-minute shootout sequence with, like, amazing, like, rock. Like, the, the music changes to, like, heavy guitars Weird. and, like, it still has the, like, the western yeah, yeah, yeah. feel to it. But you trudge your way up this mountain and get to the top of the mountain where Micah is there. Uh, grabs Sadie has been stabbed and Micah grabs Sadie hostage and is talking to John about like how oh he can't escape because X, Y, and Z. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you're standing on top of a mountain with your gun traced on Micah and there's a cabin where Micah has been staying and out of the cabin comes Dutch. Oh. Who at this point is basically he's now basically become the character he is in red dead one yeah, yeah, yeah. which is like manic egomaniac yep. kind of crazy like doesn't really care about a lot of things he traces two guns on each of you huh. and he he doesn't say a whole lot and john you're like appealing to dutch and dutch just says i don't have a lot to say anymore yeah this is a great line oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With that character shoots micah uh and then you get like a, a dead eye moment where you just get to trace all over Micah and just shoot hell out of him, yeah. which is a great moment. And Micah, Micah is great because you, you do the whole shots and then Micah just sort of like tries to shrug it off. Yeah. He starts to try and walk away, but obviously just collapses. Well, I mean, he's, he, 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 he's done that before. Like, he took some shots in that first yeah. thing where you take him, he just walks it yeah, off. Yeah, so he, tr- he tries to walk it off and then just like collapses and Dutch just walks off. And then you go back and you marry Abigail, but the entire scene that you're getting married cutting backwards and forwards between Agent Ross, the Pinkerton agent, yeah, going through all of the people that you've killed while setting up the ranch. Oh, right. And, like, finding the bodies and talking to people, then eventually getting to the mountain, finding Micah, talking to people, and the game ends with Charles leaving the ranch, camera pans back to the two Pinkerton agents and horses for looking the ranch, uh-huh. and, like, pointing at John. Oh. And it starts... The game ends as Red Dead One starts, right? Where they're obviously going to pick up John to then hunt the van, the oh, Vanderland gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The great, great oh, cool. end into that game. Sure. Where it took, it's it's too long. It is too long. Yeah. But it is went from this horrible story of like betrayal and like never being able to escape your past and trying to sort your future out. Yeah. To Kind of this, like, not idyllic life, but this guy legitimately trying to get his life together, totally. but just not being able to because he knows I mean, what he is. That's a thing that's... that that's a thing that's that's kind of a, a endemic of Rockstar games, right? Like, you look at GTA Five, and it's like, yeah, every character they've had in a while has been like he's been trying to get out the life, and the life keeps pulling them back in. Yeah, which is where it's it's a it's a t- not tonal reflection, but it's kind of focus reflection on yeah. Red Dead One and Two, whereas Red Dead One was about Red Dead 1 was about the past and like not being able to escape your past to yeah, see yeah. a future. Red Dead 2 was about looking to the future to try and get out of your past. Totally, yeah. yeah. And it flipped in the epilogue. Yeah, yeah. Where when Arthur died, that tone flipped and the epilogue became more about worrying about your past totally, yeah. than it was about worrying about the future. Cool. It's an amazing moment. That sounds alright. But yeah. That sounds cool. Uh, then it's our Mario Party He's... from Super Mario Party. This is specifically the one we played. Yeah, so after we played The Quiet Man... We had a Mario party, me, you, and your wife. Yeah. And I just thought it was hysterical. Like, it's the only, it's one of the few times that I've played Mario Party and I thought it was fun. 
<laughs> like, and it it wasn't it wasn't even just because of all the stuff that was surrounding it, where yeah. like you screwed over your wife and she she just constantly got shot on for like no reason and just because Mario Party happened. Mario Party yeah. happened. Yep. But it was just like the the games were like fun and drew like actually like legitimately interesting. Decent, yeah, it's like a decent little thing. There. But it was hysterical when your wife had been getting the crap like, beaten out of her the entire game, and then you had the opportunity to steal a star and you hit random and it chose your. I wife. hit random because I thought that's the fairest way of like not playing favorites. <laughs> I didn't want to, you know. I was trying to be fair. I thought the fairest way is let it up to the gods of chance. The gods of fate, yeah. And of course the gods of fate fucked me and instead took the star from my wife, yeah. which I didn't hear of. The end of You're still not hearing the end of it. Well, She's no, fuming in the no, corner no, no, like over no, no. here. I can feel she, it. She had forgotten entirely about it until you added it to this fucking list. And I was like, what the fuck? Why is he written our Mario party? And then it reminded. I thought it was just really funny. Is... Oh god. Oh no. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, that was the thing. There was a there was a there was a computer player there that I could have theoretically taken the star from. Yeah. But I thought I'll be fair. I'll use random. It'll be fine. There's literally a one in three chance it's not going to be the worst one. I I thought it was really funny. Really funny. Like I was in tears. It, it was, was ridiculous. It was great. It oh. was a great. It was yeah. It was just a great moment. That was more of a great personal moment was a, than a great gaming totally moment, but moment, it was a sure. great moment. Um, the controller jingle from Super Mario, is this when they use the vibration to make a noise? This is a really cool novelty yeah. thing, like, is the, the, the Joy-Cons don't have speakers on them, but I very quickly noticed when I was playing it, anytime it's your turn, the controller plays a little yeah, tune. Yeah, goes doo-doo. And I was like, how the fuck's it doing that? And then you you look back on, like, when we did our Labo stuff, of, yeah. like, you can change the frequency of the, the rumble in the controller, yeah. and that's how they're playing the music, so they pitch the motor in the their hd rumble they pitch that to play a little tune when it's your turn yeah and that was really dumb and i really appreciate it's a really weird touch. novelty thing that they just threw in for... especially because there's that moment of how the f- where's the speaker yeah, in this like, thing it's, no there is not. no speaker it's not a wiimote yeah all um, right okay best moments there's a lot in here what um i Anything stand out at you? I mean, for, personally, for me, it's the final Hitman level. Like that, that thing sounds is mental. So huge. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. That sounds insane. Um, I would say that the Blades of Chaos moment is incredibly Blades strong of Chaos is real good. from yep. God of War. Just as a great encapsulation of that moment in the game. Uh, yes, I think so. Um. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Red Dead and Monster Hunter on here, yeah. which are all kind of really yours. Is there something there you think that that that, that the, meets so those? the the problem I have with all of the stuff that I talked about just there for Red Dead, yeah, is it's the last two chapters of the game, right? All of it, yep. All of that is like the last two chapters and the epilogue as well. Yep. The epilogue's like seven hours. Like the epilogue's like a game in yeah, itself. Yeah. It's not a very interesting one, but it's good moments. Um. The, the drinking with Lenny thing the drinking with Lenny really stands really out as like a really dumb that great was, little thing. Yeah, totally. Um, that I also really like the idea of the palico cooking just because it's so stupid. Palico cooking's great. I do love the palico cooking. Like I, I'm okay with either of them. That's fine. Um, 
it's on you if you prefer drinking with Lenny or tiny cats cooking you steak. That's I think the I think the the Lenny thing would stand out more if it like wasn't the most fun I had in that game. I think um, that made, would make it stand out more. No, because it's the, like, fact, it's the fact that it's a great it's a great story beat, and it also uses like, but it uses it uses none of like the 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 tone stuff that no. the rest of that game is about. No, no, you know, it doesn't. It's also got zero like very little gameplay in it. True, so that's true. I think it's the palco like for me sure. that sounds real dumb. I mean, the palco cook is just a cutscene, but, yeah, but I've seen a lot of it, and it yeah, it seems real good. The palco cooking is great. I did really like the hospital escape, but it's like mm. the one save. Well. I, I enjoyed that game, but I, knew, I, I enjoyed I it for what good. it is. Yeah, I enjoyed it for what it was, but there yeah. are a lot of things about it that are not good. Like, Would you really take the Blades of Chaos above... Yeah, actually, you know what, for story yeah. reasons, above the Boulder fight. Um, I, I, I really like the last Boulder fight as well. Yeah. But that's because of, like, I like the way that they turn Norse mythology on its head. Yeah. And the... The way that they use how Balder dies in myth and how Greg reacts to it mm. and then in the game doing it in a different the way, different way. Yeah. is really cool. Yeah. Like the death of the death of Balder is a really interesting story in oh, totally. Norse myth. Yeah, yeah. But um yeah. Okay. Uh I'm kinda of okay with those. Sure. That's fine. Um Fuck me, that Hitman level blew my mind. It really <laughs> did. Like, it's such a crystallization of everything they've been working towards. In yeah, just like one... I, I have seen footage of it. I need to show but you. I have, some I have of like that not stuff. seen everything, so I don't like, know. I what. need to show you just some specific. Like, I've got a whole bunch of autosaves from that game. Sure, sure. I'll just jump between the areas and just be like, "Here's this bit. Here's yeah, this bit. look at this. Look at this. Yeah. Um, it's real good. I really like narratively that Blades of Chaos moment. I I like everything about that Blades of Chaos moment. Yeah. I think the the lead up to it is amazing. I think the the weight of the story impact of that is great. Oh yeah, totally. I think that the way that they build it by like changing the color of the sky and fading the music out into more original God of War music and like tying it, it was it was the best way for them to tie it to what God of War used to be. Yeah. to what it is now. It's just give the wet and then getting the weapons is such an emotional moment but then using them yeah. is just such this departure from what the game was before because the combat before then is very slow and methodical yeah, totally. and but then the blades of chaos happen and it's just wiping away enemies like left and right in big totally. groups like that blades of chaos moment is incredible yeah, it is really good uh, i think i'm i'm happy with that I yeah think being being top um, I need and to... the cooking palicos is so good. It's great. Love the cooking palico. I'll need to show your wife that because I think she would go pretty yeah. nuts. For I'm me. assuming there's a bunch of them on. Oh yeah, on yeah. YouTube. I feel, I'll look it up for okay, you. Cool. Because they are they are ridiculously adorable. So they are. Sure. Um. Okay. So it's the blade, uh, acquiring the blades of chaos. I'm gonna change that to acquiring the. Yeah, blades of acquiring chaos. the blades of chaos. That's acquiring. Okay. Cool. Um, acquiring the blades of chaos and God of War is our best moment. With the final hit from Hitman 2. I need to look up the name of that level. It's the Isle of something. I assume, yeah. Seagull or something. Yeah. Um, and then Palico Cooking, Cooking from Monster Hunter World. Third. Yeah. That's a good selection. I like it. I like yeah, that. that's good. Cool.